0: If I think I'm the smartest person in the room and I have all of the answers, then I don't really see a lot of value in what you have to bring, mm-hmm. which means that I'm not good at teamwork. I'm not good at collaboration. I'm not good at leading. 40% of us have ha, are most comfortable in a place that is not identified with teamwork and is not identified with le- being able to lead other people. And that has huge implications in our organizations, Right.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy our cup of coffee. Today's guest is Jessica Bronzert. She's with the Spark Group and does a fantastic job explaining vertical leadership development. And you may say... I have no idea what you're talking about, which is absolutely great because that's what we're going to be talking about on the podcast today, why it's relevant and why it's important. We're going to go through rapid fire and jump into this conversation. Probably one of the most eye-opening conversations that I've had with somebody around leadership development in quite some time. So I invite you to stick around and listen as well. All the information to connect with Jessica and her group, the Spark group, is connected below on the show notes or the description where you're watching this. Before we jump into the conversation, though, I do want to invite you to subscribe. If you have not already, it's absolutely free. Wherever you're listening to this, just hit the subscribe button, or if someone shared it with you, make sure you subscribe. And if you'd like to see the video version, we have that on Facebook and YouTube as well. Just search for LockDoc Security, and you'll see us there just hit the follow or subscribe button. We have a brand new episode out every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., and we don't want you to miss a single episode. Thank you for joining us today. Now let's grab a cup of coffee and get ready for this conversation. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes. And it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. Oh, Oh. All right, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, it should be easy for me to remember at least your first name because it's the same as my wife's. Do you typically go by Jessica or Jess or Jesse or some iteration of that?
0: Jess or Jessica is fine. If you call me Jesse, I'll whirl around expecting to see a member of my family. So not that it, one.
1: So that is a thing because it's the same thing with my wife. Only All, some
0: people call her Jessie? Her
1: family calls her Jesse. Mm-hmm. I've never called her that.
0: Yeah. Um, My brothers in particular and my Hmm. grandparents who are deceased. So I'd, you know, turn around and be like, wait, grandma.
1: (laughs) Intriguing. Okay. We'll just stick with Jessica. Okay. All right. So we're going to jump into it. Rapid fire five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin with unknown point values. And then we'll give you a score at the end. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Question number one on any given day, what do you think you spend the most time doing?
0: Looking at Facebook.
1: No. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, just, I was like, we just had a conversation about this this morning.
0: Am I spending too much time on social media? For sure, like everybody is. Yeah. Um, reading, maybe? I don't know. That's a really good question.
1: Working. Mm, working. That's probably that's the good most answer. obvious answer. Yeah, we'll yeah. go with that. Question number two, where is the strangest place that you've ever fallen
0: asleep? Strangest place I've ever fallen asleep. Camping outside, that's not that strange.
1: Yeah. Um, that's where you're supposed to fall asleep if you're camping, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, I don't think I sleep in really weird places. Hmm. I, Just
1: the normal places that you're supposed the normal to.
0: normal places that you're supposed to fall asleep. I can't. If I'm really tired, I can sleep even if there's a lot of stuff going on around me. And so that's maybe the strangest thing is that people will be like, how can she sleep? There's a party going on mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, But if I'm if I'm ready to go to bed, like it's it's happening. There we we go. Yeah, I I, I
1: was I was trying to process this one as well. I think the strangest place that I can remember falling asleep was we had gone on a trip uh, to Europe a few years ago. And so we were smart. So we we planned out to fly out of Charlotte late in the evening and do our overnight flight and arrive early morning. And
0: then you got to try and stay awake all day. So you get on Europe time and it's hard.
1: <sighs> not smart. Right. Yeah. And so we got uh, we, we landed in Germany. It's 7 a.m. Yep. We're like, OK, so we were all exhausted. We're just going to go to the hotel and check in. Uh, fun no, fact, the hotel is not going to let you in until one o'clock. Right. So we were just like in a zombie phase walking around because we couldn't sleep on the flight. It was just so we're, we're at however many hours of awake. Yeah. Zombie walking around. We finally f- wandered into this uh, little town square area and w- just exhausted. We just sat down like on uh, some some a stoop or something like that. And of uh, course. I don't know, a few minutes later, I was awoken, like jarred awake, because I'd fallen asleep on yeah. these steps, like just in the middle of town.
0: I think on any given day, there are probably Americans asleep all across Europe who've <laughs> just arrived. <laughs> Anybody uh, who's gone to Europe from the States has had that experience of yeah. like, oh my gosh, I have to stay awake all day and I can't. <laughs> it was it was wild. And then they're wandering around in the middle of the night because you fall asleep, you sleep mm-hmm. half the day or whatever when you finally do get in your room. It's a late nap yeah. at that point in the day. And then you wake up and you you need food and you're ready to get going yep. and it's like 10 o'clock at night
1: <laughs> like, everybody says you got to stay on point so that you don't like, get your your time zones correct it's and so it, hard yeah, it's, not it's so hard all right qu- <laughs> question number i think we're on number three. three are you a planner or more of a go with whatever happens oh, when it comes to travel planner, planner? 100%. definitely
0: yeah
1: mm, that yeah. sounds boring okay <laughs> question number four what animal do you think best reflects your personality
0: Ooh. That's a different question than the normal animal question, which is, like, if you were reincarnated as an animal, what would you want to be? Mm-hmm. What animal best reflects my personality? I want to go with something, like, smart but goofy, like a monkey or something, where they do really silly things and they can, you know, be funny and okay. entertaining. But, you know, there's a little bit of method behind the madness if you're paying mm-hmm. attention. Gotcha. So.
1: Question number five. What is your biggest regret from the last
0: month? Biggest regret from the last month? <sighs> mm. So I went to Peru. I took a big solo trip this year, and I went to Peru to hike the Inca Trail okay. to Machu Picchu. All right. B- bucket list trip, big deal for me. I unfortunately got sick while I mm. was there and was, like, really pretty under the weather. I finished the hike. I did... Did the thing. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm really glad I did. On the way back, though, I I flew from Cusco to Lima and then was going to overnight in Lima and fly home the next day. And I had planned to sightsee in Lima. Mm -hmm. And I chose not to because by then I was like really wanted to come home and Mm -hmm. was really pretty under the weather. And in hindsight, I kind of wish I had just sucked it up for one more day and seen lima sure so i do sort of really like the opportunity to take advantage of things when they present themselves yeah. you know um so there's probably a little bit of a regret of not having done that even though i was asleep in a hotel room yeah you know, trying to you were there like, just not feeling well yeah and i chose to sleep while i waited to fly home mm. um yeah
1: I I would I would say that the alternate could have been just as I guess it would have been as it would have been memorable, but may not have been as comfortable.
0: Yeah, I think I had sort of expended all of my suck it up energy sure. by that point And just there was nothing left in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Well, cool. Well, congratulations. You made it through rapid fire. Uh, right. We'll give you a score of 622.
0: Oh, awesome. Great. What does yep. that mean? Exactly. Absolutely nothing. All right. <laughs>
1: so thank you for coming into the studio today. It's really uh, exciting to, to have you here in person. You're local here. The, your company is The Sparks Group. Tell us a little bit about what The Sparks Group does, just so we can kind of get some context and then we're going to kind of talk, jump into what that means.
0: We are an executive coaching and leadership development firm. We really specialize in helping leaders, teams, and organizations build capacity and not just skills. So Mm. um, we'll talk a little bit about the difference between capacity and skills, Um, but to be successful and to make the changes that are important to them and to the world.
1: So what is a, a practical, like... Use case for this, so I'm um, trying to think of our business uh, in some of this sense where yeah. it's it's you know we're growing, we've got folks in place, at, but we we also struggle in different areas. So when you say capacity, not skills, uh, how is that applicable from uh, from an executive standpoint?
0: Yeah. So the way we've historically thought about developing leaders and developing people in general inside organizations has been through this lens of skills and competencies. So the term competency actually was coined in the 1950s and that's how, how we've thought about it, right? So you can buy books that are lists of competencies. When you often read a job description in an organization, it's going to have a list of competencies of what we want this person to have. Hmm. Organizations will have a competency model of here are all the competencies that we think are most important for people to be successful in our organization. So competencies have value and they are important, Mm -hmm. but skills, competencies only really take you so far. So take your business for example, I'm gonna make some guesses about competencies that are important. You need to understand a lot about locks, Mm -hmm. security systems, um, technology probably Mm -hmm. in a general sense. But at a certain point, People have most of the knowledge that they need and they know how to do most of the things that your business requires them to be able to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to grow into leadership, they actually need to be able to do different things. They need to be able to navigate complexity. They need to be able to take other people's perspectives and navigate through those with some um, elegance, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need to be able to reflect on their own thinking and behavior and make adjustments to their thinking and behavior increasingly in real time. And they need to be able to hold opposing ideas simultaneously um, as things get more complex. Um, All of those are elements of capacity, right? It's more about how I think Mm -hmm. and less about what I know. Mm -hmm. That's really the big distinction between skills and capacity.
1: All right. Uh, this is a very intriguing. So I, hopefully this will be very applicable to a majority of our audience. Uh, I, I think that what I'm hearing you say, so I'm going to try to repeat some of this back from a from a practical standpoint in a, especially in our world. And uh, a lot of folks that I talk to from a day to day business standpoint, there is at times a mindset that, you know, to be the leader, you have to have the most knowledge for uh, what it is that you do. And so, unless you have all the knowledge and the people that have the most knowledge are the best to lead. Um, Typically, I find in those situations that they also then have a cap point of growth because they are the highest level of knowledge across everything. Is that what...
0: Yes, exactly. Right. So that's one. uh, You're actually talking about one of the stages of adult psychological development that is most common among the general adult population. Um, About 40 percent of us have what's called a center of gravity in a stage called expert. Okay. Um, uh, And what our identity is at that point. So we talk about adult psychological development. It's really how do I think about myself, my value, my contribution? How do I identify? And when people are at that stage, they identify with what they know. Mm-hmm. My subject matter expertise is thus and so. And I can solve problems with that expertise. And that's my that's my identity. That's where I hang my hat there's a tremendous amount of utility for that inside organizations. Why? Because we need people who know the stuff and can solve the problems, right? That's really great at the individual contributor, frontline level of organizations, right? Mm -hmm. Where the work happens, the magic of the organization, the value of the organization gets delivered to clients and customers, right? However, if you put a leadership lens on that, there's a tremendous limitation, unfortunately, to that, which is what? It is that, um, if I think I'm the smartest person in the room and I have all of the answers, then I don't really see a lot of value in what you have to bring, mm-hmm. which means that I'm not good at teamwork. I'm not good at collaboration. I'm not good at leading. Um, those are a little bit, you know, absolute sure, yeah. statements. It's nothing is ever that yeah. that clean. But but it can um, lend to that. Yes, yes. And so uh, that's one of the really interesting, provocative things about this, this area of study that I'm so interested in and that we specialize in at the Sparks Group is that forty percent of us have ha, are most comfortable in a place that is not identified with teamwork and is not identified with le- being able to lead other people? Mm. That has huge implications in our organizations, right?
1: So absolutely. And so I'm, I'm, again, trying to trying to process that from an app uh, from a from a practical standpoint. And I use our business as a lens in this a lot of times. But what again, from where I'm, I'm hearing you say is, so I'm the smartest person in the room, or I'm the, I'm the person that has the highest level of knowledge inside the organization. If I don't add these other um, uh, capacities There with navigating complexities, taking other other people's perspectives in play uh, and holding uh, opposing ideas simultaneously, just to name some of the ones that you just mentioned. If I can't if I can't do that, then I now have put a, a cap on the way people operate inside the organization or the the extent of what we can accomplish, because it's all waiting on that one individual's knowledge base to either increase or their perspective to change because they're effectively just saying, no, it's my way or the highway a large majority of the time. You're
0: leaving a lot of the some, all of the value that other people have to bring. You're leaving that right. And any any solutions or ideas or approaches that would emerge from the integration of what everybody has to bring to the table gets like unexplored, right? Not tapped into. Sure. Um, So yeah, when you have people at the top who think they have all the answers and aren't genuinely curious about others' contributions and can't find a way to architect those people being involved and contributing, then yeah, you're losing a ton of value.
1: Okay, so jumping into kind of that component, when you... how do you, how do you come into play or or your, your organization come into play in an, or in, in a business mindset like this? So I guess, first of all, uh, as the, as the, the leader, right, you have to say, well, hold on a second. Something I'm doing is not working (laughs) because I'm, I guess what I'm trying to like, there's a little bit of a contradictory mentality here. If, 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 if I'm thinking that way, then I'm probably less apt to say, Hey,
0: Right. So me so sometimes again it's not uh, it it's not that we are only exclusively in that mindset. So we there so let me back up a second and just explain a little bit about the vertical development okay. or adult development. Framework that all of this idea of capacity is resting on. Okay. So psychologists used to believe that by the time you were eighteen or twenty-one, you're you were as mature as you were going to get. Hmm. Um, and culturally, we are pretty comfortable talking about children's development. I don't know if you have children, mm-hmm. uh, and you were one. We all were children at at one point at in one time. Point, yeah. We are comfortable and understand that babies, for example, don't understand that the rattle still exists, even though I've hidden it behind my back, right? They, they don't understand object permanence, and then they mature and they do understand object permanence. Similarly, I'm parenting teenagers, and we talk about teenagers and their propensity for risk taking, they're not very good at evaluating risk or Mm -hmm. judging risk. And so they do a lot of stupid stuff. Sure. And then, you know, we, by the time 18 or 21, most kids do kind of arrive at a base level of maturity, they're on their own timeline, it happens differently, it looks differently, but there is sort of a base. Psychologists used to believe that that was the end, which I think is hysterical, because if 21-year-old Jessica was walking around, (laughs) it would be a disaster, right? Um, And I think most people would be like, thank goodness, I'm not still thinking and acting like I was 21. Sure. Um, But it's only been in the last 60 or 70 years that psychologists have said, hey, we think that there are actually stages of psychological development beyond the children's stages that we know about and have gone out and done the research and sort of created the models so there's there's a handful of models out there many of there's really kind of two two types of models that are they're all very similar anyway um And what we know about this is that uh, adult development does proceed, but it's not automatic like it is for kids. Most kids tend to get pulled to that sort of base level of maturity that we do find at 18 or 21. And then there is generally up to that sort of expert stage or the stage after it, which is called achiever. Um, Most adults tend to make it to one of those two stages. That's about 80 percent of the adult population. But that is really only in. The middle, or just before the middle of of what we understand human development to be, now there are several stages beyond those two stages that represent greater capacity, greater maturity, and the research is showing actually that while there are benefits to every stage of development, um, and like we just talked about some of the benefits of the expert mindset, and sure. there are benefits to achiever the stage of adult development or vertical development that is most highly correlated with leadership effectiveness and being able to achieve and sustain transformational change so it's a pretty high bar
1: mm-hmm.
0: um is actually three stages past expert or two stages past achiever okay. and uh, only about 5% of the adult population gets there okay and so that's what creates a leadership development imperative, it creates a gap between how we as humans are showing up in the face of the complexity and the rate of change that we're seeing in the world today. And what what would actually what would actually represent being able to deal with that well, take advantage of it, you know, function sort of at our highest and best capacity. Gotcha. Um so so what will happen that so it's kind of with that as background to go back and then answer your question about okay. how do we get engaged in organizations. Sure. <laughs> You know, many organizations are saying, hey, I want to develop leaders like there's just sort of like you. You are naturally interested in the space. You've wanted to grow this really interesting business that we've been talking about. You have gone out and pulled on books and resources and things. Right. So there may be there may be an inherent sort of desire to do that from somebody inside an organization or they see a need to develop the people in their organization to be able to do different roles or to perform at a higher level to lead people. Sure. Um, so there can be any number of of things. Often we'll start with a single coaching engagement. You know, they'll reach out and say, "Hey, we really, we really want you to come work with one person on our leadership team." Sometimes they come and they say, "Hey, we want to have a whole leadership development program." Uh, for a certain audience, either our C-suite, either our maybe our whole director level, maybe it's our, our high potentials. So the request can come in in a lot of different ways. Um, they may also have a, a transformational change going on. Maybe they're doing a merger or an acquisition. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are having to seriously pivot because of changes in their industry. Okay. Um, and that would be another sort of trigger to be looking for outside help with these things.
1: At LockDock Security... We know that managing access to your facility can be challenging and time-consuming. From making sure new hires have access from day one to setting time restrictions for on-site vendors, Lockdock Security offers a wide range of solutions to help you manage any size facility. Take full control of your buildings, grant and revoke access quickly and easily, guaranteeing your facility's safety inside and out. LockDoc Security, your access management solution. I think some of the hindrance that we all face are that you, through growth, you have to elevate people into different management levels. Those people are typically more knowledge-based yes. experts. Yes. They aren't always the best People leaders, correct. Uh, which is the which is the capacity add-on, right? Is mm-hmm. is whenever you say taking others' perspectives into <laughs> into account, like I'm processing that, like though, that's a major struggle I had early on, and I'm not going to say pretend that I'm great at it now, but that's one of the challenges I had early on. Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. Well, I don't need your perspective, you know, and and it's not a good place to be at. So you have mm-hmm. to you have to figure out how to fix that quickly, but um, so. Because you're because you have the knowledge base, people get elevated, but then it's how do you balance that? Mm-hmm. So as business owners, how do we understand, OK, well, oh, we want to balance the knowledge base and also the, the people capacity side of things
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that we can grow and that we can continue to develop people and have that type of culture, or that type of environment.
0: Right. So the story of development is that we look at the world in a particular way say expert which is the one we're playing with mm-hmm. and it, it there are a set of circumstances under which that works really well for me mm-hmm. so let's imagine it's an individual contributor locksmith role in your organization i'm doing my locksmith job i'm really good at it i'm totally comfortable i know my stuff mm-hmm. And then you, uh, I end up in a different set of circumstances somehow. Sure. Maybe I'm asked to lead a team. Maybe I'm asked to lead a project on a new lock technology that I don't know anything about but somebody else does. Sure. So essentially I'm put um, at one of the big thinkers in the space is a man named Robert Keegan who's at Harvard. He has a book called In Over Our Heads. I find myself in a set of circumstances in which I am in over my head in some way. Yep. My way of looking at the world does not work. It is insufficient. And I am forced or invited to dismantle in some ways my way of looking at the world and remake it in a way that is better suited for the situation that I find myself in. Gotcha. So let's imagine the new technology, new team, whatever, something, something where I'm not the expert. Yeah. And I am forced to learn how to rely on other people who know more than I do. And that may be an experience in which I grow, right? So uh, that is probably the primary way that that happens for us is that we are put into situations over our heads where we have to grow. The pandemic is probably the best, biggest example that we have right now of Most of us, all of us, everybody
1: were in over our heads, being put
0: in over our heads in (laughs) some way. Right. And that looked different for every person, every organization. It's in some businesses. It was a boon and they had to deal with growth. Other Mm -hmm. businesses almost shut down and they were relying on federal government aid to to survive. Um, But it was an in over our heads experience for for the vast majority of us. Um, we want that challenge that another thinker calls it a heat experience. Okay. Um, we want that heat experience or that in-over-our-head experience to be calibrated, right? It can't be too overwhelming, but it needs to be challenging enough that my old way of looking at the world is not going to work. So so that's the primary way. You can also coach people, right? So as you leading people in an organization that you would want to grow their capacity, if you understand the limitations of each, the strengths and limitations of each of these stages. And you understand each stage solves for the pain points of the stage before it. So for example, when I'm an expert and that's my center of gravity, I eventually realize that me having all of the answers actually doesn't get me the outcomes that I want. Right. So, but I, but I, I begin to want to have an impact. I want to achieve things. I want to, to see the fruits of my labor and I realized that if I'm the person that I can only go so far by myself. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that leaders can help people grow more capacity, especially in that transition, is to invite people to look at their results. How's that working for you, Bob? Mm-hmm. You You knew the answer and you didn't want to hear from anybody else on that. How's it turning out? Yeah. And chances are there's a conversation to be had that the results that Bob got were not as good as the results Bob could have gotten if he had engaged other people. Sure. And so that, you know, you can begin to invite people into the developmental transition by helping them realize the limitations of where they are now.
1: Gotcha. So understanding each one of those levels, then you can start to navigate And and probably identify um, and maybe that's part of your process is identifying where different people are in your organization.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that we offer is our assessments um, to to see exactly where a leader is or where a team is. Um, so we can measure somebody's stage or stages. So most of us are have a foot in several stages. We have one stage that is our center of gravity, but most people are making meaning across two, three, sometimes even four stages. Okay. And so we can actually see sort of what percent of the time, you know, what is the range of stages, which one is the center of gravity, where's the growing edge, where's the trailing edge. You know, sometimes there's some cleanup on aisle five that sure. needs to happen, like a trailing edge that's kind of a problem uh, for somebody um, and so we can help clients see that mm-hmm. certainly by educating people about this framework, right? Like your mind is I can see it. Your mind is already going about, oh, how could I use this? And what would this look like? Mm-hmm. And certainly awareness is a huge part of the game once you know what you're dealing with. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I love this work and this model so much is you take a competency model. Again, not unimportant. Sure. And not recommending that people dump competencies. Yeah. But their utility is limited. When I get so many clients who come and they're like, "Well, I've been told I'm not strategic enough. Mm-hmm. I've been told, uh, you know, I'm not tough enough on my people, or I don't hold them accountable." And I'm like, "Do you have any idea what it's going to look like when it's better? Do you have any idea what sure. the what the developmental trajectory is on this?" And they're like, "No."
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's easy to identify the things that aren't working. It's the 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 big challenge is to figure out what has to happen to get it. To the next
0: and, phase, and, ha- and what does it actually look like to get better? So we are often given mandates or requests or expectations about what needs to improve, but there's no then there's no map, and we sure. don't know what the milestones are along the way. And that's what vertical development does. Gotcha. it says, okay, if you're here, and we the next step is to go here, and let's talk about what that looks like. And here are the major lever points um to help you make that transition is this a panacea no this one isn't a panacea either there's stages after that but this is the step by step this is what we understand about how humans mature sure and so we can help you begin to understand what that path looks like and start to provide coaching and training and development that aligns to that path so it's it's uh, it's like a treasure map almost is what it feels like to me. Like, oh, is this what it's going to look like to grow? This is very helpful.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so just to play the devil's advocate on this, because yeah. uh, I you know, especially when we're having these conversations for a podcast is like, OK, so I'm sitting there listening going OK, yeah, that sounds great. But I also don't necessarily have to do this. I mean, we can just muddle our way through this.
0: Correct. Absolutely. So development um. Development is inevitable mm-hmm. for some people. So one of the things that is different about adult development than children's development is it's not automatic. Okay. Um, which mm. is indicated by the fact that most people kind of stop in this expert and achiever stages and don't progress. Sure. Um and you will, uh, you know, if you are leaning into development like you are, you know, that's clearly something that you're interested in. You're you're going to find a way to make it happen. Yeah. If you're feeling called to that, or you're feeling um, unsettled, um, it, you'll find a way through it. Sure. But to 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 understand the lay of the land, to have a map of the territory. Oh yeah. And to have people who are <laughs> experts in it, right? Like, what am I doing right now? I'm experting. Um, uh, to have people who understand how to support and mm. cultivate that growth can really ease it ease it up a bit. I, and I
1: would also imagine that there's like a major part of this is fr- uh, that could be a play, in it is frustration. So frustration is going to drive uh, like. We, yeah, no, I don't have to do this and I can muddle through it. But at some point, it's a make or break where the frustration of of having to be that guy and not develop other people or um, the frustration that you, you, you're you seeing that the internal, I guess, the internal degradation of of your organization just based off of the fact that people are continuing to hit that ceiling of not of not developing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, people will be. We get a lot of calls from leaders who are frustrated about somebody that is on their team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I got one of those this morning, um, an email from a long-term client who said, we've just had a meeting with somebody on the C-suite mm-hmm. and we want to get coaching in place for this person as soon as possible. Something something is not going well, Sure, right? Um, often people will self-identify yeah. also. I'm just really struggling. I feel stuck. I feel like I'm spinning. I don't feel like my career is progressing or I have this big new big new thing that I'm uh, getting ready to take on. Maybe there's a leadership role coming up Mm -hmm. um, uh, or they've just been handed a huge new responsibility and they want or need some support. Um, So people will raise their hand and go, I need some help.
1: According to a recent study, nearly 50% of burglaries and unauthorized entries happen through propped or unlocked doors. We want to help our community improve this statistic. At LockDoc Security, our customers want locked and latched doors and openings to prevent theft, property damage, or even physical attacks. We are urging everyone not to wait for something to happen. You can be proactive today. We've gone through a lot of different things in our organization, reading books and, and different things. And, and there's always kind of this, uh, there's, maybe there's been an ongoing uh, debate of, can everybody be a leader? So I want to ask you that mm. question <laughs> um is there, can everybody be a leader or is there a distinct difference between um, leader follower. So, you know, there's obviously books out there, um, leader, leader, uh, the, the leader, leader mentality versus leader follower and all those types of things. So from your perspective, when you're talking about leadership development, is it for everybody? or Is it for only certain people?
0: So I probably wouldn't have a business or be doing this work if I didn't believe that people could develop into whatever they want to right? Mm-hmm. that people have the capacity to grow and to change. And my, my own experience reflects that, right? Mm-hmm. I am a much different person and a much different leader than I was 10 years ago. Um, I have my own set of horror stories to share um, some other time. But uh, um, so we do sort of hold the fundamental belief that people can grow and change. Mm -hmm. I think that's an ability, right? That's an ability question. Then there's a willingness question. Do I want to or not? Sure. Um, and so while we talk about this idea of adult development as being one of the major ways to think about the ability piece of the equation, personality
1: mm-hmm.
0: is a whole other sure. aspect to this that um, you put those two things together and you get the wonderful diversity of, of humanity, right? And everybody's expression of that is different. And so I think there is a question of does somebody want to be a leader? Um uh, and then can they, you know, those are two really different questions. So, um, I th- some people just don't want to, and sure. I think that's okay. Yeah. And we also, you know, I guess the other thing I would say about that is that organizations need both kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Organizations need people who are willing to grow and step into greater responsibility and capacity. And they need people who are the experts and who are really good at doing the thing.
1: Yeah. So. I, maybe this is a uh, this is a question that I should have asked at the beginning, but I'll ask now. What is? How did you get into this?
0: Oh yeah, this is a great question. So I um I have my MBA with a background in human resources. I always joke that I can uh do anything in HR except benefits. You don't want me to touch your four oh one I Um, <laughs> um uh, I did about a dozen years in Fortune fifty companies in human resource roles. Okay. And then left um I was actually at Lowe's Corporate up the road here in Charlotte um, for a long time and then left in 2015 to start the Sparks Group. I um, became interested in executive coaching when I had my first experience being coached, which was in 2008. And then in 2004, over a series of events that sort of led me to go get trained as a coach at Georgetown University, which has a really lovely coaching certificate program Uh, around coaching in organizations and coaching leaders. So coaching can be applied in so many different contexts. Georgetown specializes in executive or leadership coaching. And that program was transformational for me. I learned how to coach. You also do a lot of work on yourself while you are there. Um, And I was introduced to uh, vertical development as part of the curriculum at Georgetown. Gotcha. I took one of those assessments that I mentioned a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. that identified my my range yeah. um, and my center of gravity, and my report basically said you're either perfectly situated where you are and you should just hang tight and enjoy the ride, or you're super stuck and frustrated and you really need to to help yourself lever out of what where you are. Gotcha. And I, you know, it was clear to me which story was my story. Sure. Um, and that, and so that. Assessment And that framework and the coaching that I received from that developmental lens was instrumental in my being able to step out of corporate America, mm-hmm. take the risk associated with starting my own business and realize that the the discomfort, the unease that I was experiencing were invitations to grow sure. that I was needing to develop gotcha. and that I could support myself much better to, to make that happen and in, in a less painful way. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I became, I'm really, you know, I'm really passionate about it because of the impact that it's had on me and how it's helped me. And since 2014, when I went to Georgetown, it's been my primary area of continued study um, and learning. And so I am really interested in all of the thinkers in the space and I'm certified in a number of the assessments that are available in the space. And at the Sparks Group, we are, we have and continue to build a community of people who are experienced in this as well so that we can bring that to our clients. So, yeah, that's how that's how I got into it.
1: So if if I'm a client, I'm listening, I'm watching and I'm like, hey, this sounds very intriguing. I want to find out a little bit more or I want to I want to get this going. What what does that starting process look like for you?
0: Yeah. So we uh, would be delighted to have a half hour discovery call just to get to know get to know you Mm -hmm. um, and learn a little bit more about you and your organization. What have you done? Um, In the leadership development space Mm -hmm. up till now, what, what have you liked, not liked, what has worked, not worked about that? Um, And, and what, what are you interested in? Right. So again, our entry point can be just about anywhere. It can be an individual coaching engagement. It can be a lunch and learn. It can be a whole program where we are a boutique uh, firm. And so we uh, really want to understand the context of our clients and their organizations so that we can partner to bring the right solution at the right price at the right time, you know we want to. Sure. You know we're not sort of a. Uh, uh, there's three books on the shelf. Which one do you want? Kind of a deal.
1: Gotcha. So Here, here's our package, and you can choose which one it is. Right. We want to understand what you're trying to accomplish. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So sure. we we are a boutique a boutique firm.
1: Well, this is this is very intriguing to me. I, I, you know we've we've we have gone through so many different uh, concepts. Uh, on the podcast alone that would be related to this. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard anything uh, along this line before. So there's definitely a, a high level of intrigue. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be folks that are interested in finding out more as well. So uh, we'll obviously have your, your website linked into the mm-hmm. description. And uh, and I think this is definitely something that at least from an assessment standpoint, I would love to, uh, to dig into so that I can understand it yeah. uh, a little more. Um, I think one of the things that I've picked up over the years is, uh, the awareness of where you are, uh, definitely like how, what you do with it at that point is, is a whole different conversation, but the awareness of where you are, uh, opens up a a whole new world of possibilities. And then, um, so if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling frustrated, I think that that's at least the bare minimum of understanding why. And then, okay, here's the path. If you want to go down that path, that's your choice but right. you also there's at least a clear path of what to do to get out of it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I should mention too that we have a white paper if people just want to read a little bit Okay. to learn more that is on our website. I think we can put the link in the show notes. Okay. that people can go and download that and learn a little bit more. That is really makes the case for why vertical development is an important construct for mm-hmm. us given the level of complexity um in the world and then explains the framework and talks a little bit about how it comes into the leadership context.
1: Very good. Jessica, thank you for joining us today. Lots of great information. Thank you for uh, for sharing that. Please connect with her below on the, uh, the, the description, the show notes. All of the information is there. Uh, check out the assessment. It'll be uh, great for you. And again, a way to continue to navigate leadership growth for yourself and for your organization. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe. We've got a brand new episode every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. We appreciate you joining us right here on the Coffee Break Podcast.